Welcome, one and all, to episode 312 of the Signals from Mars podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And for this episode, we welcome a host from NotFest.com and a Parthenon podcast host. Trying to pull out my inner show off or whatever. Name dropper. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, here we go. I'm ready. Let's do it. So for this episode, we welcome Mr. Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show. Aftershocks, Chris Aiken presents, and NotFest.com's Talk To Me. We also welcome from the Decibel Geek Podcast, Mr. Chris Sinzak from the, uh, not Parthenon, but from the Pantheon Podcast Group and also the... Uh, Master Master Shaza, the 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 headmaster behind Rock and Pod. So we welcome the two of them to the show. Honestly, <laughs> I also tried to get Josh Toomey on here, but scheduling didn't work. And I'm happy that I got Chris and Chris on here. Whenever I talk to either one of them, it's it's one of these deals where where I think you know what shit I need to have. Either one of them on again, <laughs> you know, uh, there are certain friends of the show. My friends from notfest.com. <laughs> no, seriously, though, um, whenever I have certain people on the show, it makes me miss the fact that I don't have a co-host. It's sometimes hard to pull stuff out of the air, <laughs> more like pulling stuff out of my ass here to to try to keep things entertaining and you know I'm I I try to be as real as I possibly can with with everything here and it's great to just have people like Chris Aiken, Chris Sinzak, Josh Toomey, Brad Dahl, uh Jeremy Ed, Johan, you know, all of my patrons that are usually on the show and uh, how how this all worked out was originally it was just going to be an interview with Jason McMaster and Dan Lorenzo. And then, boom, new Metallica drops. And I'm thinking, I can't let this opportunity go by. Chris has written a book. Chris Aiken has written a book, Cause and Effect, on the Black Album. He's written a bunch of Cause and Effect books which I've read all of them because I absolutely suck at reading. I was able to read these fairly quickly. I have his, all of his other books. I'm just a sloth at reading. So I've never finished any of them. Not because his books are bad or anything like that. It's because me, I suck. <laughs> so that's why I've kind of made sure that my kids are, are great readers because I suck at reading. So if there's anything that I can pass on, make them better. At least it's that. Anyway, so the Metallica single drops. And instantly I thought I need to get Chris Aiken on here. And I'm talking to Chris Sinzak about this. 
you know, for those that don't know, I'm the web designer on the Rock and Pod Expo website. And I say, and I say to him, you know, I'm going to reach out, and he goes, "No, you need to talk to Toomey as well. He's the uh, <laughs> he's the fangirl." And I'm like, "Well, but Aiken wrote the book as well." It's like, "Well, okay, but if you need somebody to fill some, you know, some space or some time, uh, I can do it for you." And I'm like, "Okay, well, you're coming along for the ride as well." And he said, "Well, I'll I'll, I'll be there. You know, how about I do like 20 minutes?" I'm like, "Okay." Come on for as long as you want or as short as you want. But I knew once he strapped in for the ride, he was going to be along for the entire thing. So this conversation is roughly 90 minutes long with Chris and Chris or, or the CNC Music Factory as they affectionately, or as Chris Sinzak affectionately mentions. We talk all about Metallica, all about Pantera, and all this great stuff. Just remember to go to signalsfrommars.com to find all the social media platforms and places where you can like and subscribe to the podcast, to the live show, and everything else. Follow decibelgeek.com and CMS. CMSPN is what I should be saying, as well as Rock and Pod Expo and, and any of the shows that both Chris's are involved in. I mentioned them before. Feel free to... Follow them, give them a listen. If you like them, subscribe to them. And yeah, I'll have all that good stuff within the show notes. And that's pretty much it. Let's jump on into this really cool music discussion with both Chris Aiken and Chris Sinzak. Enjoy. Welcome, one and all, to the December, I almost fucked up already by saying November, December 2nd edition of the Signals from Mars live stream. I welcome the duo of Chris Aiken and Chris Sinzak to the show. How are you guys? Good, good. Good. Yeah, it's the CNC Music Factory here. That's right. <laughs> we were trying to get, uh, I was trying to get josh Toomey in but uh he wasn't going to be able to make it but uh he's, he's here in spirit if you want to pour some of your beer out on the floor there chris <laughs> i see him enough as it is i, I think I'd, ra I'd rather drink the beer but i get the, uh, the sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> so cool so um uh, the reason that i wanted to have chris and chris on is that this week we had a i think the metal world was all kind of shocked and surprised that we got some new metallica yes yeah. yeah. Um, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, I, I don't, it, it's so weird that Metallica, the biggest band in the world, arguably is able to keep everything so quiet. I mean, I, I, I have people in that camp and that know people in that camp and know people, it's certainly that know people in the Pantera camp and not a peep, not a word. I mean, I had heard some rumors about the Pantera touring being announced for 2023, but no idea it was with Metallica. No idea there was a new Metallica record. I don't know how they were able to keep it so quiet, but bravo to them. Yeah, they must have. They must have had a very small group of people that were in the know about this, and that's the biggest shock is that a band that big in 2022 can pull off having that stay under wraps. Because it, yeah, it it took me by complete surprise, and then 
even more pleasantly surprised when I listened to the song and actually loved it. And uh, I've I've listened to I must have listened to it like ten times since it's come yep. out. It's 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 uh it's a it's a great song. And then of course the curmudgeons come out of the woodwork and Megadeth's better, and you know it sounds like rock Talica, not Metallica. And it's like yeah. fuck off. I don't know. I just <laughs> I I liked it a lot. And um oh, and hold the, on the thing second. that I put. Hold on, I posted about it earlier this week and about the whole comparison thing. Why do we have to turn everything into a competition? It's like, hold you know, on. Sinzak, hold on. You're, you're Robert Fleshmaning the, the, the uh, show for me here. You're, you've already, you've already eaten up like 10 questions. Uh, um, <laughs> it, it, it's your car. You're excited. You I get it. I get it. But uh, we'll, we'll get to all that stuff. But um, r- real quickly. We're going with the shock factor here. Think about it. They recorded the album. They recorded a fucking video. Hmm. How many people were in the loop for a video? I mean, sure, nowadays you can record stuff on green screen. You can keep it small. But Q Prime Metallica is not doing that. I mean, they're, they've probably hired a crew for this. I'm sure there are plenty of NDAs and shit that, that were in full effect. You don't think so, Chris? I don't. I'll tell you why. Metallica is big enough that they have all those people. They have all those people already on staff. I mean, yeah, every yeah, time yeah, Metallica yeah. plays a show, you get a pro shot video of, of the show yeah. and, and pro recorded audio of the show. And they have that all on staff. They literally, Metallica is truly a business. A yeah, business yeah, yeah. that employs several hundred people. I think they're able to keep it quiet because it's, you know, it's people that are loyal, loyal to the, I, I know a couple people on the crew. And they're well paid, you know, I mean, especially when you hear numbers comparatively to other crews, mm-hmm. you know, that, that work like, you know, various other tours and they're well paid to be in Metallica. So the last thing they're going to do is risk blowing up their spot by saying, hey, yeah, yeah. you're not going to believe what I get to hear. new Metallica, you know, they're, they're, they're more than willing to keep it quiet. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense, because as you're saying, every show has its own thing has its own uh, merch has its own footage that they've shot they they go out and they shoot the day before you know they've got stuff on the big screens from the you know to make it all friendly to make everyone feel like a family (laughs) (laughs) i hate that (laughs) i i i I knew that i had to shoehorn that in somewhere because of course (laughs) So, um, I mean, obviously, obviously Lars went on Stern to, uh, to promote this. Um, no, uh, no, not fest, uh, pulling any strings to get Lars on, on Toomey's, uh, please. We can't even get Slipknot on our show. <laughs> think we're going to get Metallica. We can't even get Slipknot on not fest show. So not going to happen that way. <laughs> All right. So, so the song, both of you guys are saying that you really like the song. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. To me, I mean, I think it's a continuation of some of the things that they've done on the last two albums. I think the production mm-hmm. has probably helped point it back in more of an old school direction where I think if you hear tracks like um, Spit Up the Bone or even My Apocalypse, it's kind of like in the same vein. Am it's not I as long. Oh, it's not as long. That that's the part that I like the best is that they 
they seem to have forgotten their inner Iron Maiden that they've been channeling for the last two records. And they just did. Now, the rest of the record might be all 12 minute songs for all I know. I have no idea. But, you know, the the first so was it three and a half minutes or something? It's a nice, short, concise to the point song. And is it the best Metallica song ever? No, no. But it yeah. just it's it's just good. It's just if you like Metallica, there's no way you don't like the song. And it's a it's a great tease for, you know, now I want the whole thing. It it, it teased me enough I, to drop 15 bucks or whatever it was to pre-order it and 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 then drop, you know, more money later to buy a ticket later in the week. So, you know, good enough. That's what it was supposed to do. I think um my first impression off of it was this is this has a kill 'em all vibe to it and and then somebody kind of put together an interesting mashup video which basically brought it all home and the video is called hit the lux and it's they took they transposed lux eterna with hit the lights from kill 'em all and there's a lot of stuff that matches up so and then there's all you know was it the full speed or nothing that's a line from motor breath so it's there's there's like little callbacks and it's definitely they're trying. I feel like they're trying to pull the vibe from kill them all on that song. Now, if, if, if that's a, if that's a harbinger of what's going to happen on the record, I'm really going to be happy because that's my favorite Metallica record. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I hear the motorhead influence, you know, it's, it's like motorhead meets diamond head. That was kind of their, their early sound. So um, no, I, I, I think it's a great appetizer to what we're going to get on the whole record. Yeah. It- Ed Ferguson, who's one of my patrons, has been saying this all week that it sounds like Garage Day production, uh, which he thinks is their best sound. And I've heard that from a few different people, that it sounds like Garage Days. So um, I don't think that's a bad thing. No, not at all. I mean, it's it's just raw Metallica. It's Look, I, I don't know what people are expecting. You know, I, I don't know if people want... For Metallica is that band. No matter what, no matter what they do, people are gonna say, "Oh, this is shit." You know, yeah. it just doesn't matter if they do something that sounds like the Black Album. All the all the old heads are gonna be like, "Oh, well, they haven't been good since Justice." If they make something that sounds old, all the new people will be like, "Well, where's the Unforgiven Four or whatever?" You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's they are the most complained about band in the history of the world, <laughs> and and I do it too. I'm not gonna lie and say I don't. I mean, I don't like a lot of what Metallica does as as my favorite band of all time, I don't like what Metallica does sometimes, but shit, it's hard to complain about a, just a good solid song and, and, and say what you want about them. They do go out of their way to give you a quality product every single time, whether it's the tour, whether it's the songs, you know, they released this, they, they could have done the easy thing and released a new song with a lyric video or something. Right. And they didn't. They went full out. You know, you got the full media blitz at the time of release. You got Lars out there actually doing some work and promoting it. And, you know, I mean, he's Lars. He don't ever have to. He's a guy who doesn't ever have to. They could lay that all on Robert and Kirk these days. Right. And and no, it's the main guy that's out there shucking it. And he doesn't have to anymore. And that's that's kind of what's always separated Metallica from the rest of the pack is that they work when it's time to work, they work and they work harder and they produce a quality product pretty much every time. Mm-hmm. I thought, um, you know, I, you know, I was waiting for somebody to say, I wanted it to sound like Lulu, but I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> you know, that would be funny if somebody actually said that, but I don't know. I, I saw the, uh, their official, uh, YouTube channel. They did like a very long in-depth in-person interview with the whole band that was, uh, 
pretty interesting. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see that. Was that with Jose Mangan? No, I watched some of that, but I don't know, man. I can only deal with Jose in small doses, but uh, <laughs> that, that's just me. Um, super nice guy, but do um, no, it was with the, some British journalist. I'm not sure what his name I was, seen but that. it's a, it was like a black and white. And, and that's the thing. They were streaming it live from their YouTube channel and I had paused it because uh, I went to bed for the night, but it was like going on. And then I came back the next morning and it had been set to private. But I shared the link the night before, so I was able to click it and go back in and watch it. If you go on my profile, you can find the link for it. But it's a really in-depth, long nice. interview with the whole band. Very cool. Yeah. The, the other thing that stood out from the video, uh, if you guys have noticed this and being well, Chris Aiken is a drummer. So do you notice uh, Lars's kit? It's the Black Eyed uh, kit, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it, it definitely was, uh, you know. It, look, I, I I didn't really notice the kit as much as I noticed the sound was surprisingly good, you know. And and I've been I definitely have been a critic of Lars as as a drummer. He has been a very not good drummer for a lot of years, and the drumming was really solid. You know, it sounded good, and you know, again, mixed well, sounds good. Mm. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm I got no complaints. I really have no complaints. To, to your point before, too, uh, again, the biggest band in the world, so also largest amount of haters as well. Oh, yeah. oh easily. Yeah. Um, it's killed me to read on social media some of the stuff that you guys have already said. Um, and actual members of bands that I've had on the show, people that I've interviewed before, yeah, they haven't put on anything good since Justice or, you know, every this is total crap. You know, it's just uh, them ripping off, as you said before, uh, Chris and Zach Motorhead and Diamond Head. And, you know, uh, this will never be better than Master of Puppets. Why does everything have to be better than something else? Can you just enjoy what you're getting if it's good? You know, can you just be entertained by it? I, I don't get that factor of, you know, do you have to compare every meal with something else? Yeah, look, every band, no matter who your favorite band is, they put out a record that wasn't as good as the last one at some point. Right. Unless they die in a plane crash. That's the only way it, that's the only way it doesn't happen. Well, you know, every band, every, every single. Case, Leonard Skinner. Yeah, there you go. But <laughs> even them, they had some clunkers too. Yeah, they you know did. they they weren't exactly um all solid. Look, my second favorite, probably my first favorite, my true favorite band of all time is Pantera, mm -hmm. and I don't even listen to Reinventing the Steel because I just think it was such a monumental letdown compared to you know Great Southern Trendkill, and and I, you know I I don't listen to it. Every once in a while I pull a song out, but mm. and that's my you know that that's that's my go to band. You know mm. every, every band, I don't care who you like. You're, you know, Sinzak, I know you, you guys are kiss heads over there and I guarantee you there's some kiss. There's a bunch of kiss records you don't like as well. You got as an hour. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you're being modest with an hour. Oh, yeah. I could go longer, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so there's, there's even now, um, videos. Well, this is what Kirk should have done on the solo. And I'm thinking, yeah. wow, this, I heard the solo. I was like, Fuck, good to me. This yeah, is a cool fine. solo. This is something I didn't expect him to play. No wah wah. And <laughs> just a, a quick like solo that again harkened back to a lot of his earlier playing. Sure. Well, he does yeah, do, I, he, 
He does do a quick little lead break before, like, going into the second verse, and the wah comes out. And that was the moment I was like, oh, God, no, not another wah guitar solo. But thankfully, (laughs) once he got into the solo, there wasn't, it wasn't there. Right. I I don't remember if I said this on Toomey or if I just said it to Toomey, you know, on the phone. But, um, the, the day that the single was released that night, I was dicking around on my iPad, you know, watching TV or whatever. And, and I came across an article, I think it was on louder sound or louder rock that got one of these louder sites yeah. that had a picture of the burned guitar on the cover art. And it was like, what is the secret meaning to this guitar? And I was like, Jesus Christ, the thing has been out 10 hours and you're analyzing the cover. You know, it's like, relax, just enjoy this for like yeah. a minute. You know, well, you don't have to tear it down. <laughs> you know what's going to happen then? They're, they're, they're going to be analyzing every little piece of that cover now. What does the yellow mean? How does it, you know, did they copy Rat with their self-titled 1990 album? Is, is it a call, you know, the shadow, the, the shadowy figure on the Rat uh, album? Is it a yeah. comparison to the single, you know? No, yeah, yeah. Which one of the 72 seasons does this song represent? Shut up. Right. Just shut up. It's a bunch of songs with a name on it. Just, just deal well, yeah, with it. So- when I, I posted the album cover after I posted the the link to the video and uh, one of my friends on there was like, I love the song, but the album cover sucks. And I was like, it's better than the reverse scenario, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. yeah ab- absolutely. You know, <laughs> you're not you're not going to if the, let's be honest, it's not uh, Derek Riggs. So you're not going to sit there like trying to to find every little detail. Well, obviously, louder, whoever is, but yeah. normal people you know, aren't going to sit there and say, all right, album covers. Okay. Uh, If the album kicks ass, who gives a fuck? Well, most people are going to view the album cover this big, so Uh it it doesn't matter. Right. And that's a very important point. Yeah. And and really, I mean, I I could do without the yellow. I think the yellow is kind of, but you know, if I was picking it apart, that would be it. But I don't think the album covers that bad. I mean, the whole 72 seasons, you know, the birth to 18 years old thing, you know, right. and 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 it has all the different burned out, like the burned out pieces of your life that you graduated from. I mean, if you really want to dig into the album cover, it's kind of kind of it has to come from Lars's head because it's artsy, but it's actually <laughs> kind of cool and it makes makes sort of sense when you look at it. You know, is with it? the guitar being the middle of Metallica. Yeah, seventy two seasons is like eighteen years, right? Eighteen years, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's the 72 seasons of life that shapes your mind. It's from some philosopher or something. And sadly, cool. I knew that when I saw the name. I, I was like, I was like, I'm the dumbest fuck in the room, and I knew that. So people well, should get it. It's, it's a better cover than Death Magnetic was, which you know gave all kinds of st- strange vibes when I saw that for the first time. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, what no the kidding. hell are they going for here? Yeah. <laughs> the, the the other thing too, the first thing that I noticed. The, the name of their label is blackened. Everything's blackened. So theoretically, everything on that cover outside of the yellow is blackened as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that Could was be that too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Ed brings up a good point. They will probably sell it in multiple <laughs> colors. So fans will need to buy them all. So maybe that's, that's a good, did they point. do that. Did they do that with hardwired? <laughs> I can't remember. I don't remember if they did like with the different faces being different levels of fucked up when they, you know, on the covers. I don't remember. There was multiple versions. Yeah. 
I know there were multiple. I don't remember what the the hook of it was. I just bought one. Um, no, but, yeah, I don't know. Well, the the vinyl is um, they had I don't know how many variations of it. Like the box that I have behind me, like every vinyl has what you just described, Chris Aiken. It has uh, uh, it has each each of their faces by itself. Okay, so it's all kind of like spread out and. Um, uh, the I have what Death Magnetic back here, which is just some like weird variation of it, which is everything on forty five. Right. So it's like one song per side. It's six vinyls. Right. Huh. Okay. So, um, somebody actually mentioned something similar to this. You guys brought up plane crashes and and people dying. Mm. How many of these haters will have? Lars is their cover picture on Facebook when he dies after talking all of this shit. <laughs> going to be the first fucker to put them, you know, oh man, you know, I he meant so much to me. Yeah, but you talked mm-hmm. shit all these years about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I know. It, it, look, we could go for days and days about how endlessly awful the internet is and it, it really just spawns people letting their inner dick outward but it it just you know i i don't know with music especially you know if a band puts puts out a good song i just try to i try to just enjoy it right you know i i really do try and, and honestly if they put out something unless it's wretchedly bad i mean what we do is talk about music so obviously if it's really bad you gotta hammer it but yeah. you know right. it's it's like i'll put a kind of a practical example up you know, everybody and their brother complaining about this wasp tour. And, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's like, you know what? Go enjoy the show. If you yeah. want to go see the show, enjoy the show. Be happy that you're getting a good show. Don't, don't lay into your in, inner Eddie trunk and fucking hate. On, well, they're using backing tracks, so it must be shit. Cause you know what? You could easily be at a docking show where you're getting all real vocals. And guess yeah. what? That sure as fuck ain't going to be as good as what you're getting with the backing tracks at the wasp show. Yeah. So enjoy yourself. Jesus relax. Yeah. Chris Sinzak and, and I talked about that the other day with kiss playing in Japan where they busted out a song that wasn't in the regular set list. It, it was live. They, and it was terrible. They yes. did. Uh, yeah, they did make in love and and they had no tracks for Paul to mime to. And uh, <laughs> I'm sure everyone in that audience was like, God, where's the track? We need the track. And, the, the and, funniest- and this was this was at a show that also had tracks. So like all the songs yeah. sounded good and then one track sounded bad. Yeah. It's like, like <laughs> talk about exposing yourself. And then wow. um, at, at the end of Rock and Roll All Night, you know, um, you know, Paul will yell out the city name before he says good night. Right. Well, he's trying to say Tokyo, but it comes off sounding like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) nice but i can't get my voice to crack like his did and but like anyone going to a kiss concert you know in between songs you you know what happens in between songs is he's having to talk into the mic and Mm. it's all scratchy and shit and then all of a sudden the vocals sound fine and it's like right i I don't know i could talk kiss for an hour but um but yeah (laughs) god um but you brought up don dockin of anyone who needs to use tracks jesus huh well, and the point is, is if you like Dockin', you know, what would you rather see? A good show or the real, quote unquote, real show? I know what I'd rather see. That ain't what they're doing. Dockin' tribute band, to be honest. But uh, Well, that's that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's the point is I'd rather see good vocals. I don't care who's, 
you know, it's the same argument even with the Pantera tour. That's you know, is it a tour? Is it a reunion? Is it is is it really Pantera? Do the songs sound good? Okay, good enough. Yeah, good enough for me. I'm just going to hear those tunes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the end, of I the agree. Day, uh, uh, I hit the. Back one again. All right. Anyway, um, at, at the end of the day, it's entertainment. You yeah. want to be entertained. You want to disconnect. And I mean, again, it's what one of these things where if, if you're paying these prices for shows and you're especially kiss, if you're, if you're paying those prices and you're getting what you just described for making love, if you're getting that for every, every single song, wouldn't you be pissed? Yeah, you know? dude. Like you were mentioning before about, I think it's before we started when you were talking about the the Metallica thing where they're where they're offering you know a ticket in Europe and a ticket in the U.S. and you got to pay for plane tickets and tickets and everything else. Yeah, that show better sound pretty goddamn awesome for me to shell out cruise money to to right you know to go to well. it and and you know. Props to Metallica. They don't seem to have to use tracks or don't use tracks as far as I've been able to tell from seeing them. And hey, that's great. But if they needed to, if I was shelling out $3,000, you better believe I'd be all okay with the tracks as long as they're there and they're somewhat performing. I yeah. want a good show, period. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know from the livemetallica.com or whatever the the site is called now you bought one of the you bought the uh johnny z show mm -hmm. was that edited at all no not at all and it's not very good i ain't gonna lie i mean it's it's definitely not not great but it's uh it's real i mean it's real and it, it i mean it's not the worst thing that i've ever heard but it just you know metallica can't play those old songs People need to people need to accept that they still do play those old songs, but they play them down a step or they play them slower, but mostly slower because Lars can't play them. Mm. You know, Lars just can't play that fast anymore. And you know, fair enough. What do you want? You know, somehow I don't think my grandfather could have played "Hit the Lights" either. You know, so <laughs> I'd love to see it though. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that myself, but <laughs> you know, just I mean, how old are Metallica? They're they're in their sixties, right? Yeah, they yeah. have to be. And they're playing some pretty hard metal. I mean, even even the most newer stuff, you know, spit out spit out the bone or um, you know, uh, anything, anything, you know, this is just your life or whatever. You know, th those are those are fast songs for old men to play. Right. And they they still bring it pretty hard, hard enough. You know, I could deal without the happy stuff with Metallica. Hey, friends, we got some seven year olds <laughs> in the audience and it's fantastic tonight. Part of the Metallica family. Ugh. Get angry again. That's all I wish they would do. Well, one That's... of my one of my friends sent me with the guy who sent me the link to the new song because I hadn't heard about it. He's a big Metallica fan. He was like. James is getting divorced. I guess divorce does a band good. <laughs> he sounds angry. Yeah. Well, if he starts drinking again, then we'll know. You know then we'll know he's back. <laughs> there you go. James is 59. Okay. Uh, Billy Vallow, former singer of him, recently said that after John Bonham, Lars Ulrich is one of the most important drummers of all time. 
so did he get the tour? <laughs> well, apparently he didn't. Yeah, so there you go. He, he was trying to. He was he was he was angling for the tour. Jesus, that's a but dumb I mean, statement. Well, if you, how many people do you think the Black Album has influenced, though? Oh, a lot. Okay. okay, on that level, maybe. But you know, even in that style at that time, he was never the best drummer. Right. He was. Well, he was. You know, there was always Dave Lombardo, and oh, yeah. and I mean, if you're gonna really look at that time. There was Dave Lombardo. By the time Metallica got huge, Lars was not playing fast anymore. Right, right, right. Well, so you know, well, I guess the band maybe. See, I would say Metallica influenced right. a bunch of people, but mm -hmm. Lars, I don't know about all that. That's a little nutty. Are, are you saying that he needs to hand back all of those Metal Edge Drummer of the Year awards now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes I mean, simple like answer vanilla. yes you know i mean dude if you pick all of those bands in that era if yeah. you really go back to when when he got all those awards who was he beating out he was beating out guys from testament death angel uh mega <laughs> beating out nick menza you know he's beating out dave lombardo are you kidding me mike borden you know, there was a ton of great drummers yeah, yeah, that yeah. were better than lars and look i'll tell this honestly I'm a kid that bought my first, my first set of drums that I ever bought was the Tama double bass because I saw Metallica with it. So on that level, he influenced me to buy the same kit he was playing. But as far as actually what I was trying to play was not, was definitely not Lars popular Lars. Mm -hmm. It was the back, back when he still had a ton of skill Lars. There you go. Blabbermouth headline. Chris Aiken influenced by Lars Ulrich. <laughs> Somehow I don't think I, unless I want to spew some politics, I don't think Blabbermouth's going to put me in a headline. <laughs> or if you mentioned Corey Taylor, maybe. Now that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you talked about uh, Chris Aiken. You talked about tickets. We talked a little bit off air. We've been going back and forth about this. Um, You've talked different angles of this, but one of the things that kind of rang true to me after listening to this week's uh, show with Toomey is how does the band not realize that a lot of these tickets are really fucking over the fans? Because as you're saying, a lot of these tickets are cruise tickets, you know, yeah, they're seven grand for so some of these packages. Um you know, obviously you've, you've also got the other side of the coin to discuss, but mm -hmm. I mean, well, it, it's surprising I, that somebody that's a band that's been so much about the fan all these years that they've kind of flipped this switch all of a sudden. Uh, I think I, I honestly think as all these guys are crawling toward retirement, they're just like, fuck it. You know, we're, we're just going to cash in, you know, yeah. cause you're seeing it across the board. Kiss is doing it. Metallica's doing it. Springsteen's doing it. You know, Springsteen laughing about it. Springsteen's like, ha ha, you know, good. You know, and this guy was the, who was, who was more about the fans and about the working man than Springsteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's, he's happily selling his tickets for three to $10,000 a ticket. He's happy that he's cashing in. So, you know, I mean, it's disgusting. And, and I'm not going to lie. When I saw the Metallica packages, I was pretty, pretty disgusted when I saw, when I see anything that's even a thousand dollars, truthfully, even $500, yeah. that's, yeah. that's ridiculous. I, I can see, I could, I could reasonably 
see spending like 250 bucks mm-hmm. to sit like in the or to stand in the snake pit. Because I've done the snake pit before. I did the snake pit in 93, I think it was, with um, in Sacramento. I did it with um, Metallica, obviously. And um, and um, and it was a great experience. And it, would it be worth $250? Yeah, definitely would be. $1,000? Definitely not. It's not, it's, there's no band worth a Led Zeppelin digging John Bonham up and propping him behind the drums is not worth a thousand. It's just not. Amen. That's a lot of money for anybody. I don't care how much money you have. That's a lot of money to see a band perform. And, yeah. and I think the packages are just, they know they have their super fans mm-hmm. and they know that they can rape those super fans. And that's their job is to take that money. And, and, you know, and it is weird because with the Metallica tour, I am talking out both sides of my ass on this because <laughs> the packages are ridiculously expensive. They're, they're, they're absolutely ridiculous. But the ticket that I bought, which is good for two shows to, you know, it was, was honestly, I'll say cheap was very cheap when you consider that I get to see two shows of Metallica, the biggest band in the world, mm-hmm. the most anticipated reunion in the world, Wolfgang Van Halen and the biggest modern metal band in the world. And my ticket was $125. That's after fees, after everything, mm-hmm. $125. And I'm not sitting in the parking lot to, to see it. I'm sitting in a decent seat. That's that's downright cheap. Really, I mean, I'm, honestly, I could see for any of those bands except Wolfie, I could see a ticket being $125 just for sure. one of the bands. Right, right, right. So, you know, I, I mean, there are ways to get in for a decent price, but man, if you want the good tickets, you better you better have a second mortgage on standby. Yeah. Um, Ed also chiming in again with, with this. How much... Or how much that would suck if I was 17 and only had a fast food job money to see to see shows. It's similar to what you and Matt talked about recently about being able to see all these shows for 10 bucks a pop. How many, you know, that's I get the equation that these bands aren't making as much money as maybe they were before, not a Metallica, but also this whole theory of well, you know, the industry's dying because the fans are doing this, the fans are doing that. Well, if tickets were 10 bucks, if they're 20 bucks, if there's something reasonable, you'd probably pull in more people and get people behind some of the younger bands. But if these younger bands are going out and it's already a $50 ticket, it's a $60 ticket, then people are spending money on other things. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, but I mean, look, but as a... As the band, as the entity, and really, it's kind of not even really the band's fault as much as everybody wants to put it on the band because it's the band's name. You know, I I can guarantee you Metallica is not making X amount of ticket money. Metallica is not taking 75% of the ticket income. Mm -hmm. Metallica is saying, look, we'll come to your city for two nights for $5 million or $10 million or whatever it is. Right. And they're getting paid that no matter what. Mm-hmm. And it's it's Ticketmaster and Live Nation that are setting the pricing for all that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the meet and greets and all that stuff. Now, that is set by the band. But even that, I don't think, is probably completely set by the band. I think a lot of that is set by the management company. Mm-hmm. 
I, I would guarantee you up until up until the day that they started promoting it, the band had no idea what the ticket prices were. I would bet you any, I, I guarantee you they weren't like, all right, Lars, so we're going to sell the one package for $7.95 and we're going to give everybody two beers because Lars could give a shit. Yeah, I don't yeah. even know what seven hundred ninety-five dollars is anymore. Right. You know, I, I mean, <laughs> I guarantee you, the band is not consulted on this stuff. It's yeah, yeah. It's more the venue and and it's it's the the management and unfortunately, we're in an era now where the only time you're going to see a band for cheap is if they're on their way out, either right. on their way up or on their way out. You're not going to see a band that's that's popular. In the middle of their popularity for a reasonable price. That that day is done. Yep. Right. Yeah, the, the meet and greets kind of surprised me as well because for the longest time, it was all the fan club stuff. You know, you remember mm-hmm. the fan club? I was in it. And, you you know, if you were able to uh, get your name drawn or whatever, the, you got into the meet and greet. There was nothing additional that you were paying. You know, and then yeah. now when they flipped it over to making it the um, kind of the way that Kiss has been doing it all these years, the, that kind of caught me off guard. But you're probably right because these guys are surrounded by Q Prime and their team and everything, you know, all the all the yes people that they have around them. And I'm sure that they're setting up all the prices to make sure that, you know, they're getting what what they want out of this. Q Prime is. And let's be honest, they're all out to make money. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's no fault of theirs because if, if we as the consumer are stupid enough to pay these prices, Mm -hmm. then why not? You know, if, if no one were to buy this shit, if no one was to pay for the meet and greets, shit would dry up in a day. Well, it would, but, but you would also, in in the case of Metallica, and again, I I hate these conversations because I do talk out of both sides of my mouth constantly on this. In the case of Metallica, and I'll say Kiss too, since we're putting Kiss, we're lumping Kiss into it. Regardless of how much money they're making, they're not doing it on the cheap. You know, Kiss, Kiss, Metallica, biggest shows you're going to see. Biggest staging, most pyro, most extra money put into the staging and the show and the lights and and, and add TSO as the third one. You know, but they, they have to invest to do this and Metallica, Metallica, especially they take out a TV crew to every show. They take out an audio crew to every show. They take out artists to every show to do into, you know, individual art paintings and, you know, everything that they do is customized toward that city and that specific show. You know, the last time Metallica toured last, last year, they, they swung by Pittsburgh and my, my buddy Ed ran into James Hetfield in the hotel, just coincidentally, and Hetfield gave him some guitar picks. And the guitar picks were customized to the day and, sh- and city. Oh, wow. So Metallica does that on that level, you know, yeah, where yeah. everything is very and, – and that's not cheap. It's, mm-hmm. it's, probably, it's probably 50 times the cost just on guitar picks, which I know they don't cost shit, but mm-hmm. it's probably 50 times the cost to have – a different box of guitar picks yeah. for every city of every show mm-hmm. of, of a tour yeah, than yeah. it is to have one guitar, you know, one box of picks or five boxes of picks that say Hetfield on the front and Metallica on the back, you know? Yeah. So they, they do it at the biggest level and you get a quality product. 
you know, say what you will about Metallica, say what you will about the quality of their shows and the quality of their performance or whatever. When you watch one of their videos on YouTube, A, it looks like looks like a TV broadcast because it kind of is. Mm-hmm. And B, when you see that stage, ain't nothing as big as that. Nothing as grand right. as that and nothing that looks as good as that. Well, that mm-hmm. costs money. So they got to they got to cost more to do that. Yeah. That's that's you know completely legit what you're saying. It's you got to make yes. If you're going to be putting that style of show out, you got to dump money into it. You got to mm-hmm. you got to put money into it to get money out of it. So right. it and, sense. and it's not as simple as just building a stage. You got to build something on right. that grand scale that you can move every day. Mm-hmm. That you can move and put back together and be ready to go the next day. You know, yeah. I mean, it takes a lot to do that. So, again, all this being said, I'm still not going to say that the prices are legit because they're not. They're they're right. ridiculous. But but at least at least when you go see a Metallica, if you spend five hundred, a thousand, two thousand dollars, you're going to get the highest end show you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're not going to get there, and it's not going to seem like an LA gun show where you got one guy playing in the toilet and the other guy, you know, <laughs> sitting on the side of the stage. You know, it's gonna it's gonna seem like a really high end pro show. Hey man, that's rock and roll, man. He was no. playing in, in the John. Yeah, I was I was hoping Kirk Hammett would play from the toilet, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> Do the opening acts surprise you guys? Wolfgang, mm-hmm. Five Finger Death Punch, Ice Nine Kills, and Pantera. That makes sense to me. I, I it, it seems like seems like a Metallica build to me. The thing I'd like about it is uh, obviously putting Pantera on there. The minute I saw the announcement, I was like, "My God, Josh Toomey's head's going to explode" because it's like his <laughs> two favorite band. But. Uh, I thought that was cool. I, don't, I mean, I could take or leave Wolfie. I mean, he's talented and all, but the album, the album he did that does nothing for me. But uh, Ice Nine Kills, I mean, that's Metallica trying to kind of lend a hand, I guess, to a newer band. But um, I, the it, the fact they're doing two shows at each city makes me wonder what the production and staging is going to be like this time. And also because they could, I mean, Metallica could have gone out and played stadiums on their own without Pantera. So the fact that they're doing it with them this is going to be a massive show. I wonder what Pantera's stage set is going to look like. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, Pantera, Pantera. I mean, I, I think it's the perfect gig for Pantera. I've seen a bunch of bunch of people complaining that Pantera is going out with Metallica like it's a bad thing, and I'm just That's like, amazing. <laughs> geez, they're playing one show a week on the best staging they could possibly play. They don't have to pay for anything. They just got to get themselves to the venue each yep. day. You know, and and they only have to play one show a week. It's that ideal is the per- for them. It's it's the perfect way for them to dip their toe back into the water, and and more than likely, they'll announce solo shows in between. I, mm-hmm. I can't see that they're going to do fly-ins. The only the only thing I could see is that they're going to have to work around BLS touring and um, Anthrax touring. Okay. Yeah. Right. But um, you know, I, I think it's a great, great thing. I think the biggest problem that's going to happen quite And I can tell you for one, I'm one of these people that it's going to happen for my tickets in Ford field. Uh, Five finger death punch and ice nine kills are going to be playing to half empty show, empty stadiums. Yeah. 
because there's got there you can't buy singles you can only buy tickets for both shows you have to buy and, both shows yeah well it, it just comes with both shows it just comes with both shows i just want to buy the the pantera night i don't want to buy the other one so buy the buy, and, and that's where i'm at i'm not gonna my show is on a friday and a sunday in detroit which is not too far but it's like an hour like two and a half hours from me mm-hmm. you think i'm really gonna stay you think I'm really going to take an extra day of um, hotel just to hang out in Detroit for no reason. And then another day to see, to see Metallica a second day. No, yeah. I'm going to go see the show I want to see and I'm going home. And you, from what the website said, you can't transfer the ticket to somebody else to use it. So I'm sorry. You're going to play in front of an empty, you're going to play an empty stadium as far as I'm concerned, or at least an empty seat. Wow. Mine. Because I'm not, I'm not coming back. Hell no. That's got to change. You would think. I don't know. I would, I would hope that they're going to realize that that the second day is going to be much. I mean, if it's sixty thousand seats, at least fifteen thousand will not come back the second day. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to see the one. Reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I, I think care. most I people want to see two different Metallica shows. I, I mean, once is one is enough, and I want to see Pantera. That's all I'm, yeah. I'm interested in. I mean, no offense to Five Finger Death Punch. I'm not a fan personally. I find them a little generic, but you know, I, you know, it's a great gig for them. Sure. But is it is it a hook for a fan? I don't think it's a hook for a Metallica fan. Pantera is a hook for a Metallica fan. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think that I don't think that anybody that's 50 years old is going to be like, well, let's stay two days in Chicago. At a hundred and ninety nine dollars for a hotel room, you know, and and feeding ourselves and everything else, so that we can come back the second day to see a band we just saw yesterday yeah. and a band we don't listen to. Well, to me, what would have been the hook for a lot of people would be do the first show with Pantera, and yeah, have Wolfie open up, but the second show have Megadeth open up. That would have been great. That would have been that would you have would, been a good hook. Yeah, a lot of people would buy both both tickets for that. Yeah, or split the big four in half. Do two on one yeah. night and two on another night, or three on the other night, or whatever you got to do. However you work that out. But there, yeah, that would all of play with Anthrax on the off night. You know who knows? Yeah. Well, that's it. You put Anthrax the the other night. Yeah, <laughs> that would be perfect. Could it could have had uh, Anthrax and BLS and down? Yeah. Why not? They're all there. That's why. That's what I'm saying. You you know you wouldn't have to do much more than what you've actually got. You know, just a few extra members. Exactly. Um, you you had to bring up Megadeth, and that was my next point. Mustaine has been chirping a lot about wanting to do big four shows again. Is it yeah. possible that maybe there was an inkling that this was taking place, and they were somehow? you know, trying to work something like that out. And at the end of the day, they said, fuck it. You know, we're not dealing with this guy. Probably. Yeah. I I would say that I would certainly think that it was approached. I would certainly think that Mustaine was definitely approached, which is why he was chirping about it. But Mustaine got to, got to accept it. When he cut loose Ellison for the second time, he greatly lowered the value of, of Megadeth, you know, and, and the album's great. I'm certainly not going to say that the album is not really a fun listen. And yeah, I like it. And, but you know, I mean, Megadeth with one guy is, is very different than Megadeth with, with 
two guys or three guys, you know, that are still active and playing. So. Yeah, I think I think it was it it, it probably got broached or, or Mustaine went to to the Metallica camp asking about doing it, but and I'd love to see it. I think it would be an amazing tour, but uh, I I'm sure even if it got discussed, like Chris said, it was the, you know without Ellison there, it lowers the value of them as far as what. And no matter what Mustaine thinks, there are people that to them they it took a drop in interest in seeing them live when Ellison was out of the picture. I don't care what Mustaine yeah. wants to think. Well, and and even if you think about the 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 way the tour lined up, I mean, where are you going to put Megadeth? You're gonna the only band you're going to really replace Megadeth with on this on the tour that's announced right now is Ice Nine Kills or Wolfie, because mm-hmm. right. Megadeth just was the opening act for Five Finger Death Punch, so you're not going to put them in front of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately. But well, I mean, that's just ticket value. It, yeah, again, no, it goes back to value. If they're a bigger if, draw. If, if Ellison was still in the band, I don't think they opened for Five Finger Death Punch. I agree. So, who knows? How how pissed would uh, Mustaine be if uh, Ellison is brought in as a special guest uh, stand-in <laughs> bass player on this tour for one of the other bands? Well, he, he would be, but I, I don't see that happening either. <laughs> no, but, I mean, just imagine that. If, if we've seen... Dave pissed in the back in in the past. I mean, that would that, well, there's, that would there, edge. there is a whole great conversation the three of us could probably have over behind the scenes dealings in the Megadeth camp, especially oh, yeah. with Ellison, but we're not gonna do it on a stream right now. Right, right, right. right. I'm sure we all have stories we could share. Oh yeah. <laughs> To uh, to Chris Aiken's point with um, Megadeth opening up for uh, Five Finger Death Punch, Rick Honnold of um, Exodus fame recently said something to the effect of Dave Mustaine is the reason that people went to go see Metallica. So if this is actually the case, why is Metallica doing this like fucking mega big Rolling Stones scale tour and and Megadeth is slogging it out on, you know, four band uh, bills on a theater tour. Well, it sounds like Rick Honnold is trying to get Die Humane some press, you know, since he's not in Exodus anymore. So he'll say something crazy that'll get get a headline. Because well, I mean, right. Is he talking about 1981 people yeah. were the reason, you know, he yeah, was the yeah, reason yeah, people yeah. came? Well, yeah. well, maybe in 1981, but not now. Yeah. <laughs> but even even in 81 you're you're telling me that Dave Mustaine is the only reason no that no. people saw the saw the band you know no, it or, was it, it was obviously Ron McGovney let's get real <laughs> <laughs> now you, you, back in that is look part of this and I, and I have talked a bunch to a bunch of bands and people that were part of that whole scene that whole San Francisco scene and a lot of what they remember now isn't quite the way it was. Right. right you know, right. I mean, it's all faded. It's all blurred. You know, it's all become that Metallica was the biggest band in that scene, which even then it wasn't true. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, back then Exodus was the biggest band in that scene and Metallica was not even from that scene. They, you know, right. kind of moved into that scene, but they never were bigger than that scene until they were signed. 
you know, that they were just one of the first to be signed out of that scene. So, you know, I, I think guys like Hunt or whatever, they, they, they definitely have a different scope on it. And let's, let's be honest. They also have different dealings with these people as individuals and not as where we look at it as Megadeth and Metallica. Right. These guys were all at house parties together where, you know, somebody probably punched somebody in the face or somebody slept with somebody's girlfriend or whatever. And right. those feelings are still there, you know, the yeah. same way as we would have that with, you know, our college buddy that did this or that to us the wrong yeah. way. So, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of interpersonal stuff that goes into statements like that, but that's a crazy statement. Come on. Metallica. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that, that's kind of like people saying, you know, Back in the day, Classic Metal Show was the, like the biggest podcast on earth. And then Decibel Geek came in and took their place. I mean, that's complete lunacy to say something. No, that's like truth. That. That's truth. That's why I'm getting the fuck out and moving on to all these other podcasts I'm doing. I got to keep up with you. <laughs> Hi, Neely. <laughs> Does it make sense to you guys? In, in the last few weeks, also, we've, we've found out about Dave torpedoing that whole no life to leather reissue. Over Does it make sense? Does it make sense that he wanted to work with James and what held all this back and probably any further big four shows is that he wouldn't get, give Lars credit on one song. No, <laughs> it makes total sense to me. I mean, it sounds completely like something Mustaine would do. It, it, it sounds to me like he really didn't want to work with James. Sounds like he put the idea together. And then when they talked about it, he realized he wouldn't be leading the charge. Right. And and he wouldn't that be the most sense. important guy in the room. Right. And Mustang can't handle that. He doesn't want to be second banana, even to James Hetfield. Yeah. Especially to James Hetfield. Yeah. Probably. Especially because that validates the point that Metallica <laughs> was the bigger band than, than yeah. Megadeth. And let's be honest, if there's a, if there's a product, we'd all be excited to hear it. I would, mm -hmm. I would love to hear a, a James Hetfield and um, Dave Mustaine project, but who is everybody going to talk about? It's all, all the talk is going to be centered on. This is the first project outside of Metallica that James has ever done other yeah. than the one corrosion of conformity song and, and, you know, he's always kept the integrity of Metallica, but now he's going back with his old nemesis. It's all going to be about what James is doing. Right. No one's going to give a shit about what Mustaine is doing. <laughs> you know, it just won't, it won't play out the way Mustaine wants it. Did, did he want the band to be called MD 45 by any chance? Was Oof. that, uh... that was a jewel <laughs> of a record. Oh boy. <laughs> Come on. You listen. like you like the re-record with Dave singing the song. I did like that because it sounded okay. much more like a Megadeth record, but the leaving version was garbage. Oof. Yeah, I couldn't get into that one either. After hearing Lux Eterna, mm -hmm. do you think that you guys will be in, in a year or two from now, you'll be listening to 72 Seasons more or The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead? Mm, that's a good question. It's an easy one for me. It'll be the Metallica. You think so? I don't know. I've listened to a lot of that Megadeth album. Um, I don't know. I have to hear the rest of 72 seasons to really be able to tell you one way or right. the other. I drop, I drop Dystopia on from time to time now, but I'm still listening to Hardwired a lot. Like, I still listen Hardwired to Hardwired. Maybe, maybe once a month at least, I still listen 
to hardwired or most of it. I mean, there's a couple of clunkers on there, but yeah. But I mean, for the very most part, I I still love it. I uh, you know I, I'm that guy. I still listen to Load and Reload. You know, yeah. I, I'm a Meta- I'm a Metallica guy first, and and the Megadeth is cool, but mm-hmm. it's it's you know, I, even even with this record, which I do think it is, it's a very cool record. I listen to like four or five songs, and then I'm off back to Peace Cells or whatever, right. you know, or euthanasia or whatever so i will agree with you there because the the new megadeth is i get that you almost get fatigued after four or five songs because mm-hmm. it becomes it, it's very samey once you get yeah. through a few tracks yeah mm-hmm. and, and it's all great but it's like i don't need to hear it from beginning to end all you know yeah. in a shot that that's true yeah it is long too it's very, it's very long, long. And hardwired actually there's there's a little bit more diversity on that record mm-hmm. you know between the songs yeah, I agree. Speaking of hardwired, that sold a million copies in the U.S. And a part of that had to do with them including CDs with the uh, ticket sales. Yes. They're not allowed to do that anymore. Do you think that? Oh, really? 72 seasons. Yeah, they stopped it. They, um, they're not allowed to give the CDs or they're not allowed to count those as sales? They're not allowed to count those as sales because okay. Metallica did it. Prince did it. I forget how many bands. Sammy did Hagar did it. Yeah. Kid mm. Rock did it. So now they can give them away. They just can't be counted as, as sales okay. because within the ticket price. But we're going to count fucking Spotify streams. What? I mean, I don't, you know, well, I, I mean, I don't know. They, cause well, they've been in, integrating streaming into the numbers. So what's the difference? The, the difference is it's kind of like the U2 album that you were forced to download on your, on your iPod. I get it, your, but I your, the album sale is already forced into the ticket. So if you've, if you've already bought the album, you're getting another copy of the album because it's within the ticket price. Yeah. I mean, I get the, I don't know. It's just stupid, but. Uh, so, so my question is, does 72 seasons break a million without that? Without that, probably hardwi- not. Well, well, how many exactly did Hardwired do? Did it do like 3 million or did it do 1.1 or what? In the U.S., it did a million, it said, from what I looked online. Uh, worldwide, it did 2.3. Oh, no, no, no way. Yeah. If you take that out of the equation, there's no chance, I don't think. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, look, for with that old equation from, from Metallica, they got me for three sales. Because I bought it, I did. I mean, I did. I bought, I bought a pair of tickets to go see it, and I got two copies of it, and right. I and I uh, bought it when it went on pre-order, like mm-hmm. when it went on. So they got me for three sales. So and I'm sure I'm not alone did. in most that. People, most people yeah. probably, yeah. I'm sure. Sales, you know, yeah. almost nobody goes to a show by themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's two sales for every you know husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I bet it'll yeah. go. It'll it it. It, on its own, it'll probably go gold, but I don't think it'll do much better than that. Yeah, I mean, what sells these days? And what's yeah. the incentive to buy it? Just go to fucking Spotify and listen to it. Right. Um. All right, so I have a, a, a Pantera theory as okay. to why they're opening up for Metallica, why Aiken and Toomey talked about the fact that they're not the head, they're not at the top of festival bills in Europe. They're like the second band on almost every uh, every date that they're okay. playing festival bills. So my theory is this. They're dipping their toe in the water to see what the reception is going to be. 
If the reception is good for them, I think we're going to be seeing a Pantera album with this lineup. Oh, fuck. I hope not. I hope not, too. No. And I, I know think Charlie so. said that he's got riffs. He got asked about it in an interview, but I hope yeah, not. He said he's not opposed to it. I am. I, I don't. I don't know. That's Man, a that's a bridge too far. That's a that's a lot of hate gonna come. Yeah. From every single person that has a fucking dime bag guitar tattoo, met him, had a shot with him. That's a lot of well, anger gonna come back at them. Just, I mean, record music, fine, but do not call it Pantera. Call it Cowboys from Hell. Call it yeah, you know anything else. Walk whatever. Just. Yeah, I don't think I. It's hard. Look at the backlash they're getting now, mm-hmm. just by running out there and calling this thing Pantera, to put music out without Dimebag and Vinny on it. Oh, I don't think so. Well, that's, out of that's, lines. that's why I'm saying two years of touring where people come accustomed, become accustomed mm-hmm. to this I lineup. Think, look, I love Pantera. So you know, I've I've said this a bunch of times already on this. There, my probably my favorite band of all time. But if we're being realistic and we're not talking out of our fandom ass, <laughs> Pantera was only huge for about three years. Right. Yeah. It's not like they had a 20 year run of bigness. And I mean, most of, for me, I saw Pantera probably 30 times. And most of the shows that I saw Pantera play were not 15, 18, 20,000 seat venues. Most of them were three to 5,000 seats. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw them here at Rhodes Arena, which is a, as a Akron's basketball room, you know, which holds like 3,500 people maybe. I saw them at the Nautica stage a couple of times here, which holds 5,000 people. And I, I had the distinct, the biggest show I ever saw them play. I had the pleasure of actually introing them. You know, at Blossom Music Center, that was like 18,000 people. Mm -hmm. But the bulk, the absolute bulk of their touring was smaller, was like 10,000 or smaller. Mm -hmm. I just don't think they were big enough, you know, to to command, especially without Dime and Vinny. I just don't think they're big enough to command the headline spot on Vakken, on... um, Sweden rock on this chili Monterey, whatever this thing is called that they're playing this weekend. They're just not quite big enough to do that. And I don't think they ever were. Yeah. The other thing too, is who, do, who are they playing with at that show that you introed? Cause I remember they were playing with anthrax, morbid angels slayer, you know, they were still playing with other. Yeah, no- it was, yeah, it was, it was like neurosis and clutch or somebody. I, I don't remember exactly right. who it was, but. I was a little drunk, but <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember that it was a it, Pantera. Just you know, was stunning. It was on it was on the Trend Kill tour. So whoever it was at Blossom Music Center on the Trend Kill tour is who it was. I probably didn't watch them at all. I was hanging hanging backstage drinking Black Tooth grins with the band. So <laughs> and uh, Sinzak, have you ever communicated to? Uh to Mr. Aiken that uh, there were some people that were upset with the fact that uh, when he described his intro, that he said, oh, you guys are here to see poison, right? <laughs> oh God. There people that went ape shit. What's Dude, he talking about? It's man? just, well, as we talked about at the top, 
there's just there's always going to be some knucklehead in the fucking comments that has to be the you know the they've got to be the I don't know I'm I'm, I'm not, they have to counter what everyone else thinks so there's always one guy that comes out of the woodwork poison's a great fucking band why does he have to talk shit about po-? I'm like do you not understand he's introing Pantera to a Pantera yeah. crowd right that Read was kind room. of the hook that was the hook was <laughs> go as far away as I could you know, to get people upset. And the last thing people wanted was Pantera to be compared to a glam metal band from the eighties. Right. You know, I mean, that was kind of the, that was the point. (laughs) But I'm glad, I'm glad it upset people though. That makes me happy. I I love that people (laughs) like my show and listen to it, but come on, get a clue. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, there's, there's, there's always that audience out there that, that, and I'm sure they do this to both of you too, that, if you guys say something about us, then it gets back to us and it's brought in a whole negative way. It's like, you guys hear what those guys at decibel geek said about you. It's like, no. Oh, well they said you guys fucking suck. And then somebody will send you the clip later on or you'll find it. And you'll be like, I'm saying it all or they did. And so what? Who cares? Yeah, well, I say that. You, I say that you guys suck all the time. No, I'm well, fine. <laughs> okay. with me. <laughs> yeah, but you like me. It's Neely. You don't like, I know. <laughs> Fair Guilty enough. As charged. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> there, I don't hate Neely. I just don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's not going to be any um, rock and pod talk this year. You're not going to explain rock and pod to Neely again this year. Look, I still haven't figured out what the end game is, so I have no answer for him. <laughs> I, I, as I said on the show. When it happened, I thought he was full of shit, you know, when that whole thing happened. And I was not happy with that because it's like, even if, and again, I don't want to rehash old history, but my whole thing was, even if it is a bullshit thing, which I knew it wasn't going to be, but let's just say for the sake of argument, it was going to be some bullshit fucking thing. Hmm. You still want to support those that are doing what you're what you're trying to do because it helps all of us in the in the long run. So to just come on and go, well, I don't know what this is about and how will this help us? It doesn't matter how it helps us. It helps us because the community gets stronger. That's it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did expand um, this coming year. We're doing a, a comic and pop culture convention on Sunday. So I'm looking for TV stars and I could always use a dog, the bounty hunter. So <laughs> Neely's more than welcome to come. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I was waiting to see if, if you were going to drop the reference or not, but uh looks like I didn't have to wait too long. Nah, <laughs> I'm just busting balls. I have no problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, obviously if, if, fuck, if you heard that and you didn't understand what, you know, what Chris was saying, there's no help in that person. I mean, honestly, what were you going to say? What What were you going to say to rile that crowd up? Were you going to say Pretty Boy Floyd? Oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Motley Crue, whatever. It's it's going to piss off some. Look, no matter what you do, somebody's going to be annoyed. Right. That's just the way it goes, you know. And and that was kind of the the joke. The joke right. was get them booing, so that when Pantera comes out, it is absolutely explosive. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. get them, get them absolutely. You know, it's that whole. Take them low so that they come back high, thing type yeah, of yeah, thing, yeah. and yeah, and it worked. Believe me, when I said when I said who's here to see poison tonight, I mean it was, I was getting batteries flown thrown oh. at me and ice and <laughs> all, so all is, kinds of shit. This was like what ninety six when you did ninety six ninety seven yeah somewhere yeah, in there. so 
So what band was a bigger punching bag than poison? It's low hanging yeah. fruit. You have to yeah. use them. Well, and that was it. It was, I was just playing around and I mean, the, the crowd was like, boo, just killing me. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Here's Pantera. The crowd exploded. And I walked off the stage and, and Dimebag was just like, yeah, man. <laughs> he thought it was funny as fuck. So it was like, all right, as long as he thinks it's funny, I'm good. Oh. <laughs> who who out of those four do you consider the best interview? Obviously, you did one of the last interviews with Dimebag, if not the last. But out of out of all of those four guys, who would you consider the best to interview? The best. Uh, that's a really hard one just because, it, you know, different, different reasons, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as getting somebody to say something, Phil, yeah, right. Phil, the most back in that day, he did not give a fuck. You know, I mean, he would say anything and he would answer any question. And, um, and he did. As far as fun, the most fun I ever had was with Damage Plan with um, Dime and Vince. But it was more, it wasn't really the interview. The interview was fun. Mm-hmm. A little scary because I was reading back some of the things Phil had told me like a month before. And they were getting really mad at me. Wow. Yeah. But, but the after was great because Dimebag pulled these two monitors, big giant monitors over toward us. Mm-hmm. After he's like, that's it, boy. It's me and you. It's me and you. And he, he, he climbed up on top of one. He made me climb up on the other. And we, we karate kid kicked each other off the speakers. Oh, wow. <laughs> he was like, he was like on the count of three, one, two, three, boom. And we both kicked each other off and we both went down. And of course, everybody went to make sure he was okay. You know, I just <laughs> laid there on the floor, but you know, nobody to help me, but, <laughs> but it was funny and it was fun. And, and being around those guys was always a lot of fun being around Dimebag, you know, for, for whatever people want to say and, you know, see on the videos or whatever, that really was that dude. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I got to know Dimebag pretty well and not, not well, well, but fairly well i guess and um every time i saw him hey, let's get a drink brother let's get a drink come on the bus come on you know even if we had interviews like a lot of times pantera would have people interview kind of on the side of the bus mm-hmm. like standing on the side of the bus and dimebag would come out like a lot of times it's vinnie paul that would do the interviews i and right. I, I interviewed vinnie the most and so you'd be standing on the side of the bus with vinnie and then Dimebag would kind of open the door and pop his head out. And he'd be like, come on the bus, man. Come on the bus and come on the bus. And next thing you know, you're doing your fifth shot of a, of a black tooth or whatever. <laughs> and you're just like, you're throwing down partying, man. I, I definitely miss those guys. I miss the fun that I used to have with those guys. Cause it was a lot of fun hanging with them. Right. Anyone come close to measuring up to them? As far as an interview or as far as what? Friendly. Uh- Interview friendly, both. I mean, what? Uh, Brett Michaels. Yeah, no, Brett Michaels does not. <laughs> um, I, 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 I mean, story. I, I'm obviously <laughs> friendly with the Dockin boys. So, I mean, right. You know, I, I mean, I have a lot of friends in the business. Uh, you know, David Ellison is always super friendly to me and, you know, is, is somebody I consider to be a pretty good friend. Um, I, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever had more fun with any major band mm-hmm. than the Pantera Boys because Jesus God, every time you get together with those guys, it was an adventure. I mean, it was you know, I mean, it was 
they were a big band at the time mm-hmm. and they're partying at like three in the afternoon until showtime, just mm-hmm. <laughs> slamming drinks and we're all getting hammered. And then finally they're like, gotta go play now boys. And they throw us out. We go staggering back to our seats and then they would just come out and destroy. Right. And it was like, Jesus, how are they? You know, meanwhile, we're trying to stay awake because we've been drinking for six hours or seven hours or whatever. So they, they were always fun. Um, as far as the, they were definitely the most fun. Um, I still have a decent friendship with Philip. Mm-hmm. You know, Phil, Phil was super nice enough to do a little thing about my book when I wrote, you know, the, the, the burn book that I wrote, mm-hmm. he did a nice thing for me, which was super cool. So I'm still friendly with Phil and, um, but yeah, Diamond, Diamond Vince, they're definitely missed. I definitely, I'll definitely be at the Pantera shows kind of looking in and going, oh, well, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it'll be good, but it ain't going to feel like the Pantera that I kind of came up with. Right. I, I think they will, they will appropriately pay tribute to the brothers. I think, I think that it's going to be a big love fest for the Abbott brothers and at those shows. I think, I think so too. Need- yeah, but I think they need to do that too. I mean, no. because if they don't, people are going to be I mean, shit the, all over it. Yeah, but either way, I mean, it, it's Zach and Charlie joining them. I mean, it it's like a fucking family reunion. Yeah. Though yeah. they were all buddies with the Abbott brothers, so I mm-hmm. I don't think Zach, especially Zach, I don't think he would have signed on for this unless they were going to do a a super tribute to them. I and mean, Charlie I saw either. Black, yeah, yeah, and Charlie, Charlie too. I saw Black Label a couple of months ago and. You know, he does in this river, and then the the banners drop with the photos sure. of, of Diamond Vinny, and I'm just and mm-hmm. I got chills when that happened. Sure. I was just like, but I mean, no, it. I think there's going to be a lot of respect shown. To, uh, I, to I think so Vinny. too. I think I mean, obviously Zach loved Dime, and I mean, by the same token, Anthrax. How many years now have they had the special Dimebag scrim that comes up every time they play in the end? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. every time they play in the end, they have a dime bag and a Dio. Dime yeah. on one side, Dio on the yeah, other, and they they cool. tributize yeah. that. So, and they open with Pantera songs now. Like they right. they kind of like a lot of their shows. They open playing, you know, um, like Cowboys from Hell or something. Like half yeah. of the song to open. So yeah, yeah there's a lot of love for yeah. the Pantera crew. So yeah, look, it's going to be good. I, I you I know do. people that are doubters, people that are looking for reasons to not go, stay home. Yeah. You know, it's that, it's <laughs> that it easy to me. Yeah, watch it on YouTube and post your shitty comments on YouTube because I'm going to have a good time and I can't wait to see it. I, I've yeah. never seen Pantera in the round. Yeah. So I'm yeah, looking forward cool. to seeing that. I'm looking forward to seeing Pantera running around the stage going crazy. That's going to be fun. Yeah, it's, it's well, similar, similar to what you said. You obviously said that it's not the same, but you're still a fan. There's going to be people mm-hmm. that regardless what they do, even if they – knock it out of the park. They're going to be complaining about something, you know, right. yeah. mm-hmm. Let them. go ahead. Have at it. Go watch, <laughs> go watch whatever band you want to go watch. Go ahead. I'm going right. to enjoy it for all it is. Yeah. Go, go watch your band play a club instead. I'll be enjoying the stadium show for once to see two bands that I love in a stadium. Good right. enough for me. Yeah. Do you see um, wrapping it up with uh, Metallica here? Do you see Metallica slowing down anytime soon? No, <laughs> there's no reason so. to. Yeah, I, I think, I think Hetfield wants to, but there's no way to do it. 
I've said this a bunch of times on, on the various shows that I do. I think if Hetfield had his way, Metallica would end. Mm-hmm. But but Hetfield is a caring dude, and he looks out there and sees the hundred plus people he has to put out of work, yeah, to to retire, and he's just hanging on. I think Lars will always do it because what else is he gonna do? No, mm-hmm. you know, Lars would and, lose his mind without it. Yeah, and I mean, the only one that could probably bounce into something else is Robert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's done it before. Kirk is too big and too weird. You know, I mean. <laughs> You know, and and Lars, I mean, who would want to be in another band with any of the other guy with with those guys? You know, I mean, Lars is the Gene Simmons of the band. I think, uh, you know, Metallica is his identity. So I I don't think Lars will ever give it up. I think he'll even if they stop touring, he's going to be involved with Metallica in some form or fashion. But you said it right, Chris. I mean, because they're basically supporting an army of people with their crew. So I think that's a huge factor in why they continue to do it. That's why Hetfield's on stage crying about wondering if he can still do it or not, but then he gets up there and does it the next night Mm -hmm. because, you know, I think he's probably torn. And I think that's why we're getting the tour that we're getting now where it's, you know, well, we're going to play 17 weekends a year for two years. Mm -hmm. You know, they're making it out. They're, they're trying to play the angle of, well, we're doing a two year tour. Well, no, you're not. You're playing 30 shows. (laughs) You're just spreading it out over two years. Right. You know, you know, you're not playing, you're not playing like the black album tour where you played 600 shows in two and a half years or whatever it was. Right. They couldn't do that anymore. (laughs) No. And and, Hey, God bless them. I'm happy that they're still doing it and that they're still doing it well enough. You know, um, you know, so that's, Hey, we're all getting older and all of our bands are starting to suck. Let's just, Call it the way it is. No matter That's who we great. like, they're they're starting to suck. And right. here's one that they're not as good as they used to be, but they're not at the suck level yet. Mm-hmm. Good. I'll <sighs> I'll I will ride that until that train runs out of runs out of coal or whatever. <laughs> right. You know. Could could the band continue without? Well, obviously, you guys have said. You know, well, we've seen the band switching bass players, but could they continue without, let's say, Lars? No, no, no way, no way. There, there's no. They, the only way that happens is if Lars dies. Yeah. Only way that happens is if Lars dies and the estate says, "Go ahead and replace them with whoever you know, whatever Dave Lombardo or whoever." Yeah. Um. Could he step aside? Say, hey, you know what, I. I'll continue to be in the band, kind of like a John Five McMar thing. No, still in no. the band, but he's too Meta- important to him. Metallica is a big enough band where the only thing that they're going to do, if any of them decide to actually truly walk away, they're going to oh, go straight up metaverse. They're gonna they're gonna become <laughs> that kind of a band, holograms and metaverse, right. and you yeah. know they are not going to replace. Hmm. You're not going to go see a Metallica show with you know the guy from ice nine kills fronting the band. You're, you're, you're just not going to see that. It's not, it's, it's never going to, it's like the, it's like, could the rolling stones go on without Mick Jagger? That's basically the same question you're asking. Right. The answer is right. a big hell no, you know, but then again, we've seen it, <laughs> you, know? you know, very true. I don't think so. I don't think so either, but who knows? Could, you well, know, if you'd asked us two years ago, could there ever be a Pantera reunion? We yeah. all would have said, fuck no. 
<laughs> yeah, because we've heard rumblings for the longest time. I don't think we ever saw it actually coming to. No, where, where they picked the two guys they could have picked that got me interested. Yeah. Anyone yeah. else, I probably wouldn't have been as interested. And, I and, agree with that fully. And even Charlie said it. If anyone else, he would have been pissed if they would have picked anyone else. Not because it wasn't him, but because he doesn't think that anyone else was that was close enough to the brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to it's actually the perfect lineup. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and most sense. To to Chris Aiken's point from before, Charlie just turned sixty. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, and he's not drumming like Lars is. Shit is a little more complicated. So let's see how. Yeah. How, how how much they can spread this out. And with them getting Metallica money, being on that tour, I mean, they're probably going to be getting more money than him doing Anthrax shows, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would think so. How, how many Anthrax shows are going to take place in these next two years? Who knows? And Charlie you know, misses a lot of Anthrax shows anyway, so... They always get John Dett to, sh- to fill in again. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this is, this, and again, this goes back to what we were saying before. This is the perfect storm for Pantera. Pantera could play one show a week, reach reach what they would reach with yeah. four, four or five shows if they were doing a solo tour. Yeah. yeah. Don't have any freight to carry. Don't have any equipment. Don't have any staging. Mm-hmm. Just show up, play on the world's best stage for a shit ton of money once <laughs> a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's a win-win for everybody involved. Yep. Yeah. And it's a win for us because we get to see it. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, Chris Aiken, do you have any shows you want to promote? Because I think you're on a show or two. Yeah, I do do a few. There's obviously um, classic metal shows, Saturdays, 9 to 3. Um, and then there's Chris Aiken Presents with me and um, Eric Ferentinos of uh, Stephen Piercy's band. Uh, we do that live on Mondays and then interview versions on uh, Wednesdays and Fridays come out um, on the video on demand. Talk to me is on what day does that come out? Thursdays. Yeah. Thursdays. That one comes out. And once a month I do a business talk with aftershocks TV, myself and Matt Hartnett. So wow. I'm always in front of this fucking camera. <laughs> <laughs> and And I will say that, most of those are, are, are must listen to's because the, the shows that you do with Matt, I mean, it's, it's funny. Um, I look at how long a show is. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not listening to a two hour podcast. Yeah. Tur- turned it on the other day on a walk. And thanks to you guys, I walked like eight miles. I think it was. <laughs> I going, I'm like, this is I, I I need to listen to this to the end, so I just kept walking. So oh, I'm just happy if people are digging it and that they're not right. finding them all to be samey. You know, I'm really trying hard to make them all be different. Yeah, which is which. You know, when you're doing 15 different hours of of audio in a week, it's kind of hard to do. Yeah, but I think they all are different. They all have kind of a little bit of a different vibe. So check them out and pick one. If if you can't pick them all, pick one and like whichever one you like. I'm good with that. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Sinzak, you've got a few things coming up within the next few months. Anything uh, you want to plug? Well, I mean, I don't do 15 shows like Chris Aiken does, but I, I do Decibel Geek and uh, check that out on a pretty much a weekly basis. And then, of course, the Rock and Pod Expo I'm working on now. Um, 
you know, next March just announced Eddie Ojeda from Twisted Sister, so that's fun. And then nice. uh, got a, a, a few other guests I'm working on. I can't really announce just yet, but uh, I think people are going to like them. Go to rockandpod.com for all that stuff. Which uh, a little over four months at this point in time. Don't remind me, but thanks. <laughs> you just made his stress level go through the roof again. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think I'm drinking today? <laughs> And and Mr. Aiken will will appreciate this as I'm adding Eddie Ojeda to the website the other day. Me and Chris Sinzak are talking, and I end up putting Bobby Ojeda oh, nice. on, uh, <laughs> on the homepage. And, nice. Uh, yeah. So that's why why you shouldn't be working on websites while you're talking while you're bullshitting with people. Hey, there's nothing like that. Was that the '86 Mets? Right? There, I was going to say, you, you had Ojeda. no idea the guitarist for Twisted Sister pitched for the 86 man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second <go>. career. <laughs> and and much like the Apathy and the Peace Brothers, they uh, they pronounce their last names differently. Of course so, yeah. they do. Anyway, so. anyway, I want to thank the two of you for coming on. Sure, fun. man. And um, I, I knew, um, I told Chris Sinzak, Chris Sinzak said, oh, I'll, I'll jump in for a little. I'm like, yeah, you'll be you'll be along for the ride. Yeah. So uh, I can't shut you know. myself up. Yeah, we, we we can start talking about Kiss on another episode, and we yeah. could do a good eight, eight hour episode. So anyway, we'll do it. In any event, thank uh, the you guys for coming on. Thanks for anyone who's going to listen to this part of the show or watch it for for hanging out and those that chimed in in the chat. to the show on all your favorite podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and more. Go to SignalsFromMars.com for more information. This concludes our show. 